0: everyone, and welcome to the Coaching to Flourish podcast. In this episode, I interview Hayden Lee, one of coach training EDU's most experienced trainers, and he currently also sits on the CTEDU board. He leads workshops worldwide, quarterly, and runs a thriving life coaching practice based in Los Angeles, California. He is a dear friend and an outstanding coach. And my biggest takeaway from the conversation that I am excited to share with you is the importance of perspectives and how mindfully raising awareness of both the positive cycle and a negative cycle that come out of different perspectives and assumptions that we make minute by minute, hour by hour. Raising mindfulness helps us make better decisions, ultimately helps us be more resilient. It is a deep pleasure to share this episode with you. Let's take a listen. Well,
1: cool. uh, welcome, welcome everyone. Hey John, thanks for having me on. It's always good to be a part of the Coach Training EDU community. Um, Yeah, it's exciting to be here. It's definitely uh, some interesting times we're living in right now. And I'm learning just the skill set and the tools that we have as coaches and what we do for our clients is needed now more than ever. Well, in terms of my coaching journey, um, I can't believe it's been nine years ago. I think it's been nine years ago when I first started my coaching journey um, with Coach Training EDU. And that was when it was... uh, just academic life coaching at that time. And we didn't even have Zoom back then, John. Everything was done via that thing called a telephone, if you recall. But um, yeah, it was nine years ago that I started my coaching journey and um, I discovered academic life coaching uh, because I had been working with youth at the time, uh, mostly uh, as an SAT tutor. And I really wanted to find ways to empower them more to find more purpose and fulfillment in what they were doing in school. And I was working with mostly um, really like driven and ambitious, you know, young adults, uh, and they wanted to get into the most prestigious colleges and get the most uh, uh, perfect SAT and ACT scores. Uh, but when I started to really ask questions of them more about their passions and kind of the person they wanted to become, they had no idea. They they just they they were very good at answering test questions, but did not know how to answer questions about who they were, their values that they believed in. And that really bothered me. And that led me on a search online to find a different way to serve that population. And that's when I stumbled across academic life coaching. And that's when I found John and um, I gave him a call. And yeah, the rest is history. Um, I got you know trained as, a, as an academic life coach with John over the telephone in one of his first courses. And then not long after that, John asked me to become a trainer. And then um yeah from there john and uh, i helped john with developing the executive coach training program and um my transition actually from academic life coaching into executive coaching is which I, is which i primarily do now i'm an executive coach and a leadership coach for high performance teams and high performance leaders it all started with working with youth uh, because the parents of the teenagers i was working with were noticing such Great transformations in their kids. Like all of a sudden, they were having such deeply profound and different conversations around the dinner table, and the kids were see, or the parents were seeing their kids um, finding more fulfillment in what they were doing in school. Um, And it was just just magic that the parents were seeing. So the parents started asking me if I worked with adults, if I worked with executives, if I worked with teams, if if I if I could come in and you know help motivate their managers. Um, and I, you know, I, I always say yes to opportunity. So of course I said yes. Um, I actually didn't even have that much formal executive coach training at the time. Um, but what I realized is that the life coaching skill set is applicable across the board, no matter the population. So while I was actually working with executives, I was um, getting further training executive coaching myself and getting further um, executive training tools under my belt. Um, and I was co-designing and co-creating the executive coach program with John while I was already coaching executive. So that's kind of in a nutshell where I am now. Um, and I was, you know, training one of the trainers at Coach training EDU, I don't know, five, six years. I don't even remember how long it's been. Um, and yeah, just last fall, I'm taking a break from training, but I'm very happy and proud to still be on the advisory board and helping contribute to the ever-growing community at Coach training EDU as much as I can.
0: Thanks, Hayden. Uh, It's just so good to feel your energy and hear you talk and to know that this is happening. You do a lot of work right now with executives. I know that you have a a contract with uh, a, a group of people who are in the hotel industry. What have you seen or what's been going on in the last couple weeks? I mean, what have you noticed from your executive
1: clients? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I have, uh, I'm in Los Angeles, so I do have clients who work in entertainment and I do have clients who work in hospitality. And both of those industries are hit super hard right now. For those who don't know, all movie and TV production has been stopped. And in terms of hospitality, all travel and tourism is pretty much, you know, uh, stopped. And in California, we do have a formal um, stay at home or, or, you know, I guess it's called an ordinance or an order. So all non-essential businesses are closed, and and I guess you could technically get fined if you are out and about doing non-essential stuff. So with that, um, yeah, my executive client who runs a hotel in Santa Monica is—they're doing okay. They're—they're still—they're still still open. um, as far well, last time I talked to them, they were still open. But I'm not sure exactly today what's happening because things are changing day by day. So the last I talked to them, they were open, and he was making a commitment to thinking about the type of leader he wanted to be, which comes back to what we're talking about today in terms of resilience. So all the coaching that we've been done in terms of helping him define the type of leader he wanted to be and how he wanted to make his team feel is all coming into play right now. So, he, you know, he did have that make the decision that all, all of those people who all of them will have their job still and they're going to find ways to make it work and they're all figuring it out day by day together, it's definitely challenging, but it all comes back to he wants his team to feel heard and, and valued um, and collaborative at this time and that was a lot of that is about the coaching is as coaches we help our you know clients take time to stop and reflect on the type of person and leader they want to be and there's no better time for that to come to the forefront during th- than times of challenge which is what we're experiencing right now right right
0: so hayden what what are your favorite like you personally or like or as a coach what have been the your favorite tools in your toolbox yeah
1: question um well even well you know john and i um when i was doing my master coach um mentorship when i had my mentor coach you know something that i really learned the bottom line here as coaches is the you know two biggest tools in our tool belt are powerful questions and offering insights right So even before i went again to specific coaching tools um for resilience it's first Asking our clients the, that, that powerful question, what is your relationship with resiliency? Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really good question is to help people start reflecting on how are they with challenge and bouncing back? How are they with um, their relationship with resilience and their relationship with resistance? So I think that's first and foremost, a really good creating awareness right? It's asking those types of questions of the type of qualities and skills that we need in this moment, right? Which I believe is resiliency, but I also believe we need creativity, innovation, and compassion right now. Those are just some things off the top of my head, but to ask clients, you know, wow, what are some key skills that we need right now? And then asking our clients how they think, what they think their relationship with those, traits are. So first and foremost, I think that's really, really great insight is to create that awareness in our clients. Um, and when you called me and asked me to talk about some coaching tools for resilience, um, one of the great coaching skills that a lot of us use all the time that we may not even re- realize we're using it as a tool, but it's the reframe, right? The reframe is so super powerful and it's so super powerful now. And, I, you know, um, all of us are, a lot of us are on Facebook a lot. And we, we, when we see a lot of posts that people are making about focusing on, you know, what's going well and focusing on gratitude, which is so true, but that's a coaching skill. It's a reframe. So being able to ask clients, uh, you know, what's another way to look at this? Or what's a, a different way to look at this? Or what's the more positive way to look at what's happening? Um, and to get, you know, um, that's one of my go-tos. What about you, John? What are your thoughts on the reframe?
0: Yeah, I mean, the reframe to me is it's a tool that it's just quick, and I think what you're speaking to, the, I mean, the heart of what you're speaking to is an is an increased mindfulness. It's the ability to recognize and ask what kind of what kind of relationship do I want to have with resilience, not just so I can solve the challenges that are presently here or you know, that we're going to experience over the next couple of weeks or months. But, also, but on a deeper level, how do I want to interact with any challenge in my life? And I think as a coach, what I think we're trained in, what we're trained to do is to look at each problem, any challenge, And it's almost like a muscle or a skill set, but to look at any challenge and to not get wrapped up in the details or the doom and gloom of the challenge, but to look at it as exercise equipment, going to the mental emotional gym and really using these challenges as opportunities for us to develop that inner world. That to me is what I see happening a lot in, on the coaching calls that I'm leading, coaching clients I'm working with, talks with the Moise, you know, coach training EDU team. There's so much uh, inner work happening right now. And that increased mindfulness, that increased awareness of simply just being asked the questions of how do you even want to begin to relate to this? just that question alone increases awareness as powerful you know is a really powerful thing uh, and I think that's what I think that's what you're speaking to and so my, my favorite tool uh, with reframe uh, it, it's a quick fast tool that helps you think more mindfully about this perspective that you really want to go for that perspective that you're really leaning into uh, and so that to me is the power of reframe
1: you know what you're talking about As you were speaking there too, John, um, about mindfulness, uh, it made me also realize resilience is a skill set, right? And it's important that as coaches we remind our clients that resilience it is a skill set, like riding a bike, right? And the more intention and practice you put into a skill set, the better you get. Uh, um, it goes. I guess it goes to the growth mindset, right? Uh, where resilience and growth mindset uh, are go hands in hand, right? A fixed mindset around resilience would be, well, I'm just not a resilient person, and that's just the way it is. The growth mindset is like, you know, being aware of your relate, current relationship with resilience, but also knowing that with intentional practice, that skill set can get better. It is like it is a muscle. It is working that muscle, um, and. You know, I've been uh, working on this project with some neuroscientists I told you a little bit about, um, and I just talked to them today, about the neuroplasticity of the brain. How The brain is endlessly plastic. It's endlessly being able to form new neurons. And uh, and the skill set of resiliency, you know, there's a part of our brain that has a little area for resiliency. And the more you put um, effort into it, there's more neural pathways created for your skill set of resiliency, so I think that's really important to let our clients know that that if they have the desire to be more resilient with effort, they can and will be.
0: Love that. I've been doing a lot of research lately on the power of visualization, especially as it applies to athletes and sport. And there's been so many uh, where so so much uh, research done on the specific aspects of a visualization from perspective. Like, are you third person perspective, first person perspective? Are you seeing it as a movie or as a series of snapshots and pictures? Uh, you know, so, so much research has been going into uh, the specific aspects of visual, visualization and how that matters in the performance of the athlete. And one of the most major factors of the power of the, of this visualization is the practice that the athlete has when they are engaged in visualization. That the more the, an athlete engages in visualization, the more they're able to, uh, the more benefit they get from it. And that's one of the biggest factors is the belief that, this, there, that there is that mind and body connection and emotional connection and now we can see it. We can measure it. You mm. can literally measure the impact that an athlete is having on visualization to the, the neurons doing the same pattern of, of firing just in the visualization than when they're going out and doing the actual activity. It's uh, Our minds are so powerful. And th- these ideas that we're able to it's, and it's in the, the connection between you know, imagination, emotion, ideas, and, and motor function, it's real. I you know, think what you're speaking to is this idea of resilience truly being something that you can practice and become uh, a skill set, you know, something that really does uh, become stronger with more use.
1: But you just touched upon another coaching tool for resilience, right? It's, it. it's vision, right. right? You know, like you said, with athletes, envisioning them crossing the finish line or athletes envisioning them on the you know, first place of the Olympics, their brain is doing something, you know, uh, wild when that's happening. So the same thing with resiliency, asking our clients to really ask them to envision, you know, who do you want to be during, back the end of this? Like, imagine who you're growing into, you know? And then a the Coach Training you, we talk about learn, be, do, right? So it's like, what do you hope to learn from this? What, what do you envision you're gonna learn from this? What do you envision you're gonna become from this? And really flesh out with them a clear picture of that vision of how we're all gonna be stronger, smarter, more loving and compassionate as a result of this. And to really see that in your head is very powerful right, is to be able to have that vision of, you know, where we're going to be six months from now um, and how we're going to be grown into a better version of ourselves is, is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, so.
0: right. right. And the of vision too, I think that what goes hand in hand with that uh, is to create a reminder of the vision because it's so easy to get it's, it's almost like there's a tug of war happening between the doom and gloom of media and you know external news uh, which is there I mean there's no real I mean we you, you could ignore it but it's part of life it's there and the on the other hand the ability to craft a meaningful uh, effective vision for ourselves yeah. and to stay connected to that vision find ways to lean into that vision uh, and be reminded of it in the 1.0 training we do vision recordings where you re- literally record your like the vision mm-hmm. You'd like to see yourself six months from now you know with your phone memo put music in the background <laughs> things like that yeah uh, it's one of my favorite tools I have albums of these things that I've created over the past, what is it, 15 years now? So it's uh, it, it's that idea of the more you practice, and the more you practice the vision, the stronger it gets. It's yeah. just, it's, it's a muscle, almost like anything else.
1: Well, I really enjoyed the visioning, you know, your vision, the vision exercise in 1.0 uh, for the, there's the audio recording. But then I think people have gotten creative over the years, you know, the more visual learners were making vision boards, right, or having visual representations on their um, computer screens and stuff like that. And what I always, um, you know, suggest people do in, in their vision of their audio or visual representation of their, um, their vision is to include the, the qualities that they want to have, like characteristics, not just um, what they're doing or the how much money they're making or their profession which that's all well and good um, but you know it's like the the mindset they want to have the, the the qualities they're growing into resilience being one of them um, compassionate uh, um, mindful right like I think that's super important as well and it kind of reminds me a little bit about um this new term I recently learned, psychogra- psychographic, right? Because oftentimes we hear about demographic, but there's also psychographic. And I think psychographic is oftentimes, like we don't spend enough time with that, but I actually think that's more important than demographic. You know, a lot of coaches are on this call when they're crafting their ideal client profile, there may be a lot of um, demographic, you know, age, profession, male, female, stage in life. Yes, that's important. But I think psychographic, let's not dismiss that too, in terms of the qualities and the mindset that we, we, are, we want, not only in our ideal clients, but also trying, um, even to, like even right now with this um, the unfortunate uh, uh, COVID-19 virus, like, they're identifying a lot of the demographics of people who are the most affected by it, um, but the ones who are doing well from it and recovering from it, I'm very curious what their psychographic is. Because I would imagine the research has been done that cancer survivors, their psychographic is more positive, more positive outlook, more optimistic, has a vision, uh, is resilient, and we we don't often spend enough time on that aspect of things. So I want to encourage everyone in your vision of yourself, your vision for your family, your vision of your ideal clients to really identify the psychographic that we want to create.
0: I love that. So what's the definition? What is the psychographic?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I, it is a real word, you know, but I think that the, the, the definition, it really is, I think, the, the, the perspectives and mindset of that particular person, right? So I, I love this idea of psychographic, and I've really um steered my business more into the psychographic of people than the demographic right so for me it's you know highly positive people high who are also very driven also very high high achieving but also very passionate about always growing themselves have a growth mindset always want to be a lifelong learner in professional and personal growth so that's a psychographic more than you know males age 40 to 65 in the entertainment industry. Like that has become less important to me and psychographic because I'm realizing I do the best work and the most enjoyable work with people with um, the psychographic that I resonate with. So.
0: Wow, wow. When you're, when you're working with people and they're stuck in doom and gloom, right? When they're yeah. here, yeah. What, what tools have you used or what's the approach that you've taken? In that oh,
1: in these- Well, the first, I think um, one of the most important tools we've learned that have been very powerful for both my team clients and my executive clients is the assumption chart. I love the assumption chart as you know, something when I learned that on 1.0, you know, almost a decade ago, I, I, it was so powerful then it's still powerful now. Um, but, but, but one really cool thing though, before I dive into the specifics of the assumption chart, though, is an aware, is an acceptance though, that our lizard brains have a negative bias. And that's that's just the way it is. And what, what I mean by that is when I, you know, like I've been having these conversations with, with these neuroscientists, right? And we're talking about lizard brain and the evolution of the brain. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, our, our lizard brain, that it, it is because we have evolved, you know, in history throughout history, but our fight or flight response, it's a real thing that if we didn't, tend to be have that negative bias that we were gonna get eaten, we probably would get eaten, right? So our ancestors, have, it's, it's in our DNA that we have a negative bias that, you know, we tend to see things in a negative way for survival, right? But obviously we're not out there fighting, you know, woolly mammoths anymore. So, so but it's accepting though, that our brains tend to have a negative bias. Like, and there's an evolutionary biological factor to that. So, what, so it's accepting that that's true, but also realizing that, like I said earlier, our brains are endlessly plastic and skill sets are endlessly plastic. So once you're aware and accept, okay, so as human beings, we sometimes tend to have negative bias, yes, but then also create awareness that you can change it. So with that said, the negative assumption chart for you know is you know that very simple cycle of when you identify you, uh, an assumption or you know that you have, it can lead to. A specific, uh, a perspective, right? So assumption, perspective, a perspective is usually linked to an emotion. And then that perspective and emotion leads to an action and that action leads to um, an outcome or evidence and that evidence will confirm that assumption. And like I said, we have a negative bias usually, especially towards um, unexpected things happening or when there's some sort of um, uh, stressful stimuli, we may tend to have a negative bias and go into the negative assumption chart, right? So it's first creating that, uh, you know, showing the, so if anyone's on this call, I assume if they don't already have a copy of the assumption chart, they can get one by reaching out to co-treating with you. But I think it's so powerful that graphic to show our clients, like, yeah, we tend to have negative bias and we tend to have a negative assumption when something stressful happens. So let's identify, you know, like, even with what's happening now, um, with what's happening in the world, you know, it's, it's very stressful stimuli, um, so it may be very easy to go into that negative space that uh, I'm assuming that I'm, you know, gonna not get any clients ever again. And that like so that's the assumption I will not get a client again, and that goes to the perspective, right? I would imagine the perspective would be a negative perspective, a stressful, anxious perspective, which leads to the action, right? Of if I'm in a space of negativity and um, ang- anxiety the action I would take around client creation would probably be nothing. Or I would not really do anything new. I would not reach out to people. I would not market. I would not have a social media presence. And the evidence would be I'm not really getting any new clients, which confirms the negative assumption. Well, I told you in this time right now, I'm not going to get any new clients. And so that's creating, so that's what happens, right? But then to empower our clients, let's see what happens if we flip that. And we we flip that negative assumption into something positive, and it's always important to remind our clients. though, like, let's suspend okay, our. Let's,
0: uh, I'll let yeah. me stop you there for a second because uh, yeah. Ashley and Matt, um, I know they're on. Could you yeah. send me in, in Slack the graphic? I can share the graphic while Hayden's going okay. through. It. It'd Be lovely. Good
1: Just idea. Uh, so, and then Hayden
0: too, can you lead us through it? Like me as a pseudo client for the other people watching. Okay. Like, can we? Could you? Can we lead? me uh, and the, the yes, other well, here great. through this
1: yeah i'll be real, i'll be a good client
0: i'll be like you know i'll be you know authentic so
1: this, yeah let's do it let's do some real life application of building real-time resilience right now real-time yeah, resilience, real-time resilience.
0: Yeah. and uh, for so, those watching i encourage you to also get a piece of paper and to answer these questions for yourself as well and uh we'll leave some space for it.
1: Yeah. And if, and if, and on that piece of paper, I mean, if if we don't get the, you know, hopefully we'll get the graphic in time, but it's really simple. It's just, you know, on your piece of paper, it's a rectangle and you divide it into four squares. So it looks like four window panes. That's all it is. And on the upper left-hand corner is where we identify the assumptions. So John, with this, you know, crazy new world order happening right now, this chaos, like, talk me through some, um, maybe some of some negative assumptions that are coming up for you and you know what's happening if there let's talk me through a little bit of that
0: right um you know i think it's interesting i feel like uh here here i got it here uh, i just want to say i really deeply appreciate the team uh at Coach Train audio i just got three different graphics from three different oh, people okay. so, yeah it's so I just want to express gratitude for that. Uh, and it's an interesting juxtaposition to be asked. So what are your negative assumptions right now at the same time feeling so much gratitude for the team and for you yeah. and this whole community? So I'm I'm just coming in with a lot of positivity at this moment. Uh, and on the other hand, there is so, I mean, in terms of negative assumptions, uh, let me tap back into that. This, that's also very real. Uh, is this feeling that everything like society as we know it is going to be fundamentally changed. It will never be the way it is. Uh, This is going to, I mean, this is serious doom and gloom uh, and the economy is going to evaporate. Yeah, that's the negative. I I can feel the descent of negativity Uh, even in the space now as I'm talking. Yeah, I mean, and then so the idea is now is to contract, see how you can save, uh, basically go into full cactus mode and try to conserve as much resources as possible while spending as little as possible. Uh, Yeah, I could see that uh, perspective come up very strongly. I
1: just want to point out, it's even interesting, Sean, even when you had that shift from I mean, you have a great gratitude for your team, which the team is awesome. Then shifting to the doom and gloom, like there's this energy shift in you, which was so evident and palpable. Like um, it was quite fascinating uh, how your energy shifted and your body language changed. Um, but yeah, we're starting with the, uh, the the box on the left, right, the assumptions. So the negative so the negative assumptions you are referring to is well, which, what, if we were to pick one, um, what's one assumption we want to isolate to, you know, to flesh out a little bit? So, what's the specific negative assumption?
0: Uh, specific negative assumption is that, uh, I mean, uh, things are going to be very bad. Just. They, you know, they are, yeah, things are going to increase and get uh, even worse.
1: Yeah. 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 Just, a, you know, pause for a second. Um, we're going to, so we're going to isolate that assumption, which things are going to get very bad. But what I'm pausing is like, if oh. I were to, what, why are we laughing? What's the it's laughing just
0: fact? so heavy, Hayden. It's just, I mean, well, you it look is
1: heavy, about
0: you know? this, it's such an interesting, I mean, with, what I feel, this is what I feel like happens in coaching world so much is, there's this feeling of, and I just came from a class. I just led a a two hour class. It was our last session. And I mean, that's just our last sessions in a six month course are are just a lot of emotion. Uh, And especially given the environment that everything's at. And I mean, I've been coaching and being coached since, you know, my mid twenties, it's, it's been a while. And I sometimes, I mean, when I really lean into like what coaching means to me and like how I feel like, uh, you know, what we're trying to do and, and explore these ideas and share them uh, it, it feels like as a, as a collective, like what's happening now, this huge paradigm shift that's happening in our society right now. Uh, I feel even, even more strongly than ever that the, the concepts that we're talking about like you know empathetic listening uh, being uh, raising awareness, uh, neuroplasticity uh, the, even this idea of mindfulness around assumptions being able to recognize subtle shifts of energy and go into these different perspectives and different assumptions all of this work now is more it, it, it's it's m- even more important now than ever before
1: yeah
0: and it's fascinating to feel this assumption chart and to go, Mindfully into the negative, because I—that's I, what I'm recognizing right now. I feel like that human nature, the negative is there, but I feel like everyone, myself included, you know, tries to get away from it. We try to move away, and now we're going directly into it, even deeper into it. It feels like going into dangerous territory, but I know that you know here, you're holding space. Uh, as you know a master coach that this is also the value of coaching is to go into this negative space with someone by your side who can basically create insight you
1: know,
0: yeah. uh, and to use the negative as you know we just talked about the, this you know uh, a gym equipment you know to, yeah. to gain these insights um, so that's what's happening that's
1: a lot of emotion, Aiden. It, it is. And I honor you and acknowledge you for the vulnerability. Uh, I didn't know we were going to be doing a Me real life demo here. So we t- I. So in a- our plan on this,
0: we chatted a little bit and this yeah. feels like it's in the. Um,
1: but, I, but I want to use this as a teachable moment because I would imagine most people on this call are coaches. So this is, you know, this is a real life teaching moment for everyone on the call. I, I wanted I, I wanted to pause the assumption chart for a second to bring light to something that's happening in my client right now. Something's happening in John. There's an emotional response happening. So a lot of times with coaches, we could that uh, we, were I have a decision point to make as a coach. Do I continue to force the assumption chart, which would be about the tool, or do I serve the client, which is to see what's happening with John? And I, I, you know so I'm inclined to actually ditch the assumption chart to really see what's happening in John. Um, but I want to actually ask John how, where he wants to go with this. Do we further, you know, explore what you're feeling or do we go back to the assumption chart, which is because we were trying to teach resilience tools on this webinar, but at the same time, you know, I want to show some of this intuition we have as coaches is because it's never about the tool. You know, when I was, it's not about the tool, it's about the client. So what would serve you most in this moment? Cause I see things coming up in you. Yeah. You know,
0: there's... It's interesting because I feel the tug and this often happens when you're doing assumption charts yeah. between the, the negative doom and gloom perspective or the, let's say the negative assumption. And then on the other hand, there is also this, uh, this very, like I, I feel that you know, there's so much power in human uh, resilience. Like the, the human, like we are we are tremendously resilient I believe in the power of, of human creativity, of love, of connection, of being able to be vulnerable and strengthen that vulnerability and, and strengthen these connections. Uh, I can feel the tug both ways in this chart. Uh, and I think that's what, in, in, this, in this space, there is this uh, tug between how much do we allow ourselves to, to go into that negative, that negative spiral? You know, how much do we allow ourselves to mindfully go in there and sit and be with and be with that, be with the pain. And then how much do we design these structures to move beyond it or maybe even move through it? Uh, And I think that in this, in the coaching world and even in positive psychology, like some of the, you know, the next evolution of positive psychology, uh, some of the research out there, it's, it's pointing to the benefit of being able to sit with pain without reacting to it with the same uh instinct, you know, the same mindless instinct to either fix it right away or get you know get over it. That's what I'm feeling. You know, and, and going in this space, uh it's powerful. It's a powerful place. So uh, we let's let's we can run the tool. Let's, you know, let's go through the Let's go to perspectives because this is
1: yeah. So yeah. So before we go back into the so, thank you, John, for I gave you the. Uh, this is interesting right now because you know I love this by the way, but it's kind of turning into like I'm coaching you as well as teaching coaching and mm-hmm. like I'm serving you and also serving our all the participants at the same time.
0: Let's do it. So what yeah.
1: I wa- well, what I want to make a note of is if the participants are watching in the session, there's an opportunity to ask the client which direction he wanted to go. Cause I saw that all of a sudden there were two directions, either just straight up me, go up through the chart, and just ignore that he had an emotional response or check in with his emotional response to see what's happening there. And then ask him, what direction do you want to go? So he wants to finish the chart. All right, we're going to do that. Cause you always serve the client and you always go with where the client wants you to go. Before we go in back into the chart there, John, I also, I got to bring this up too, because as you know, I'm also an Enneagram specialist, right? And I got to bring up that I know you're a seven, right? We've talked about you are a seven. And okay. for those who are not familiar with the Enneagram, there's nine personality motivation types. And the type seven um, is known as enthusiast or the enthusiastic visionary. And their seven, their their core motivation is they want to experience a lot, they want to see the best in everything, and they want to avoid pain. So it's just interesting that, you know, John, as a, as a seven, that it's coming up for you that it's very uncomfortable for you to go into the negative because you want to avoid it. Um, and I just want to bring awareness and insight to that, that I see that happening, that your seven is coming out a little bit. Uh, how does that land with you?
0: I mean, it's in this, yeah, it's, it's there. And I think that, mean what i'm what i'm feeling is that in these tools here as a you know coach coach trainer client you know all of it person being able to sit with the ouch is it's it's like another skill set being able to skip you know sit with the ouch mindfully uh and then to be able to see the, recognize the pattern is something that I see a lot in the clients and the, and the, the, the coaches in training right now. The last two weeks it feels like an exercise of sitting with what is, and then also moving towards what could be. Yeah. And asking, mindfully, what is that? You know, how much do I need to sit with what is? How much do I work towards? what could be, uh, that's essentially what we're doing. You know, that's that's what this chart is about in yeah. situations like this. Um, so I I want to be a, a, you know, I want to be, I want to give the experience, give, you know, an idea of how this tool could be used. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's keep it going. I'll be, and uh, imagine me, Hayden, as like a, a pseudo, uh, how do we say it? a, uh, a pseudo-instrument of um, you know, what this might look like working with a client. I can hold space you know, as presenter and client at the same time. Done this many times.
1: Yeah, well, uh, let's, let's share that. We can share the chart it. again. And while you do that, I, I want to acknowledge that you know that there is uncomfortability you know, going into the, into the negative. But I want to ask you, John, what is the gift of going through the negative?
0: Ah, Hayden, that's a lovely question. Uh, I think what it is, is when it's like a really good cry, you know, at the end of a really good cry, uh, there's that feeling of emotional release. And I think part of it is, you know, there's pain on one hand and and then there's fear. And I think when sitting with pain, what tends to happen afterwards is the fear goes away. Because there's a realization that it's, there's resilience there, that at our core as human beings, we, we are very resilient and, and we can trust that in ourselves, that putting ourselves in challenging situations, we are designed to rise to meet them. Uh, and that's, I think that's what happens. That's the gift. Up sitting with uh with with the pain. Yeah. So let's keep going. So perspectives. I can let's go back in the doom and gloom, right? The perspectives that come up. Ah, I think I mean doom and gloom is the name. That's the perspective, right? And then the action steps. Well, what emotions
1: are tied to doom and gloom?
0: Uh,
1: you know, you're trying to go through this fast. You really want to get through this. I'm looking day. at the time. I'm
0: looking at the time and like, you know, it's, we're doing it all. We're doing it all. Yeah.
1: So what is the emotion tied to doom and gloom?
0: Uh, Negative. You know, um, I think in what I'm seeing too is a lot of just just, um, apathy, uh, fear. People are stuck with their families in tight spaces and feeling annoyed at each other. I heard that a number of times in these coach training calls last couple weeks. I think people are still uh, adjusting, you know, all of that. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of anxiety and fear among what I'm hearing from these
1: perspectives. And then in that space of the doom and gloom perspective and emotions of anxiety and fear and some annoyance, what, what actions would that lead one to take?
0: Uh, fear-based actions. Mm. Um, yeah, which isn't, I mean, there's some use to that as well. It keeps us safe to some yeah. degree. Right? But uh, yeah, fear-based actions. You know, not, not, uh, maybe maybe action steps that aren't necessarily in alignment with the, that vision that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. That's a way to say it. Um, yeah, getting stuck in watching the news and feeling worse, <laughs> yeah. yeah, things like that.
1: And then, with taking actions that may be fear based and not in alignment with the vision of who we want to become, including watching the news um, all day, what evidence might that lead to as a result of those actions?
0: Right, um, the evidence that I mean, it's just as, you know, fewer coaching clients, fewer opportunities, uh, Mm -hmm. feeling really bad and then feeling bad that, wow, I wasted time in this and feeling even bad about that. Uh, It's feeling bad about feeling bad. I mean, it just, it it feels like there can be an endless cycle here, which Mm -hmm. supports this negative assumption chart. Mm
1: -hmm. And then all of those outcomes then, of course, confirm the assumption that this is going to get really bad. Um, right yeah and then yeah i'm mindful of time too but but obviously that negative cycle which went through is not a useful place that you want to be in to get to that vision if we want to be so if we were to go into the positive in this right so if we were to take that negative assumption and even, and if, you might not need to believe it yet. In fact, that you, we can suspend our disbelief, right? You might not believe it yet, but what is a positive way to look at what's happening? What's a positive empowering assumption we can make about what's happening right now?
0: Right. Uh, one that I see most from from the coaches and training and people I've been looking at and working with, uh, there's a belief now that this, this paradigm shift this change in the paradigm uh pro- provides an opportunity that there are opportunity that there are opportunities right now to move forward both personally and professionally mm-hmm. and that in times of great change like this there's also uh you know in- increased um, you know a heightened sense of you know how we respond really we, you know, we'll have a, a leveraged effect on what what comes out, you know, a year or two from now. Yeah.
1: So I love that. So the positive assumption is that there's new opportunities here. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's one that I designed with my coach, and been really leaning into. Yeah, uh, that's
1: a great yeah, one. This is, so a, this is a pre-designed. Here? Well, <laughs> I mean, example I mean, of the I mean,
0: exercise, right?
1: Well, but I see, so what's the perspective that when you're in this assumption of, all right, there's what opportunities are there? This is opportunity time. What state of uh, mind is opportunities.
0: Right, I mean, this one, the the one that I've been, is curiosity. It, it's basically a, uh, it's moving, if we were to look back at the negative assumption chart, right, the negative one, I think the, the perspective fundamentally is one of judgment and one of negative judgment. The perspective here, in, you know, with this posit- based on this positive assumption, I think is one on uh, curiosity. Looking at, uh, you know, looking at what is not from necessarily standpoint of judgment, which is it's there too. It's in the space, but really leaning into becoming curious and asking, how can I be of service? How can I help? Uh, what would, what would be the most useful thing I can offer right now?
1: And from that space of curiosity mm-hmm. and asking yourself, how can I be of service right now? What actions does that lead to?
0: Uh, you know, we, uh, as an organization, I mean, this webinar series. I mean, even this conversation, uh, the conversation that we've had leading up to this call, I and mean, like you, like those, those action steps uh, that we're talking about. Uh, coach training edu is launching a couple initiatives here in the next couple weeks and i'm 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 genuinely excited about the future when thinking about what what this paradigm shift means to humanity Uh, i think there are are going to be some extreme positives that come out of this this might just be me and my optimistic seven self i get this (laughs) i totally understand this But I do see that there is hope Mm -hmm. and there is the way that people are coming together and the way that that people are rising to this challenge is is you know provides a lot of hope
1: and with these actions of trying new things creating different actions that you wouldn't have taken otherwise what's the evidence Evidence
0: what's the results yeah I mean you've this comes from you right you this is one of the things that if you tr- if you do the same things then you always get the same results right but if you do different things you get different results yeah I mean, this is this is hayden lee this is yeah i hear this in my head in your voice hayden this is what i hear yeah. that's what comes out of this i know different things are going to come out of, of this yeah.
1: uh yeah.
0: yeah absolutely hayden thank you I know we we chatted about this, what this might look like, and what you know uh you had some we you know the assumption chart and the assumption tool. Uh, thank you, thanks for playing and jumping on this and you know playing in this space. Let's open up to some q and a, and we have about ten minutes left. This is perfect. see so, so participants. Uh, at this webinar community Uh, if you want to uh, do we have any questions or do you have any questions yeah
1: so people can type well questions in the box or maybe questions insights what they've noticed what they liked what they didn't like things to clarify um, anything Uh, and while people are typing away you know john acknowledge you for you know playing along as well and for being open yeah i didn't really know where this was going to take us but like as coaches, it's about dancing in the moment. And that was quite a dance. Yeah.
0: It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. I think one of the things I really appreciate uh, about even this conversation on resilience um, is the, the way that, uh, even the, the etymol, etymology of resilience comes from a Latin word, solere, which means to dance. And literally resilience is, a, like it, the idea is dancing. Uh, it's it's being able to bounce back. Um, so it's not it's the resilience isn't a uh it's not a static thing. It's a it's a m it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a motion. You know, it's it's the ability to respond and keep moving. So wait we have our we have a our first question. We have our first question.
1: Yeah well uh, she uh we have what does the initial negative assumption need to be a neutral statement. Do you want to take that?
0: Go for it, man. Yeah.
1: Well, um, I think in the, I mean, I think she may be referring to in the book, like I think it, it, in the book, I think that it does refer to um, it being a, a neutral statement. But in my case, when I use it, I, not necessarily. I mean, I actually do have people, I have them come up with the real life negative uh, assumptions. But when I use the neutral statement sometimes, is that they're having a hard time, maybe coming up with an extremely negative or an extremely positive assumption. So then we can go with like a, a neutral statement. Um, but yeah, I personally don't use the ne- neutral as much. I mean, what about you when you personally use the assumption chart?
0: Right, but when using an assumption chart, a neutral statement isn't as important as when you're working with perspectives. And this has come up a couple of times with uh, like, you know. so when working with perspectives, yes, it's important to have a neutral topic because you want to have a space for clients to go with a you know, negative perspective, a neutral perspective, a positive perspective. Uh, and if that initial topic has too much negativity or positivity baked into it, it's hard to have flexibility in exploring different perspectives. What the assumption chart does is it, like, let's say the, the topic is the future, right? Or you know, the, present, you know, uh, the present challenge. Yeah, it's not as important that the topic be neutral because the tool is designed to go negative and then positive. So you already have the re- so you already have the two paths of the perspective that you're going to take at the same time, uh, and that's useful uh, for a tool. That's a great question too.
1: Um, Joe, uh, the resources you'd recommend, for example, books that have to help us build resilience in ourselves and others around us. Uh, that's also a great question um, the first thing that came up just, I, we didn't get a t- chance to talk about this but I know in our 2.0 class we had we talked about grit and grit and resilience uh, go hand in hand um, so um, Angela Duckworth you know Ted talk about grit is really good um, I love this I think she wrote a book about grit I haven't personally read the book of, about grit um, but I love the TED talk about grit um, I also love mindset obviously uh by carol dweck it's become very popular growth mindset fixed mindset uh, my favorite one of my favorite books is drive by daniel h pink it really is about what motivates us as human beings uh, and uh you know resiliency ties right into that it's having a, a, finding something that drives you that you're willing to be gritty and resilient for and that's super important um and that's a, i mean in a nutshell drive is about you know, finding something that you love to do, uh, making time to do it, uh, learn how to do it well and do it for a cause greater than yourself. When you're able to find that drive, you will be willing to walk through the fire for that. What about you, John? Any favorite books on resiliency, grid?
0: Um, I think, uh, I, I'm just reading the, the comments here, the chat comments as well. Uh I I like anything from the Arbinger Institute. Uh I'll type it in here. Uh, Arbinger. There's a couple that are uh you know leadership and self-deception and then Anatomy of Peace. My, I really enjoy Anatomy of Peace. I feel like that's my go-to book in times like this because it just helps it talks a lot about having a heart at peace where you're able to see the, yourself in the other person or see those characteristics of yourself and someone else and vice versa. Uh, and to me, it just reminds me that like, all of humanity are, I mean we all share the, the, you know, the same hopes, fears, and desires. Like it's all, we, we're all in the same boat together. Uh, and that's that's me, the Arbinger Institute that I really uh, appreciate. Uh, let's see another question here. Um,
1: What did you learn? This is good um, about you personally. Like, uh, what did you learn about your resiliency through the assumption chart?
0: There we go. Uh, Yeah, this one here, like, what do we do in our, like, what do I do in my daily lives? Like, what do I, what do I learn?
1: No, well, that's a separate question. Someone asked um, specifically, John, what did you learn about your resiliency through the assumptions exercise? There we go.
0: I think. I think that's an excellent question. I mean, I I could go on for five minutes on it. Uh, A lot comes up. Uh, What I learned is that. I mean, my my big takeaway, and it feels somewhat meta, is I realize how much of my minute to minute, day to day, is influenced by these coaching tools. And how it's really, it's almost impossible for me to separate myself from the coaching tools because they're just integrated so much into my life, uh, that I realized, wow, like I I can see the power of these tools. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just see the I just see the power. Like that that's what I learned about myself is how much how into it I am. Like I guess that's that's the way, uh, especially like sharing, you know, with you know. Uh, a number of people.
1: And then someone else mentioned um, flexibility and ability to adapt is important. You know, um, yeah, and I totally agree too. I think when it comes to um, helping, maybe when our clients are working on resiliency and, help, and asking them, what is your relationship with resilience? Um, what skill sets do you want to work on right now that are important to you? I definitely think abil- uh, adaptability and flexibility are, are part of resilience. Um, and then having, I mean, once again, like for all of these uh, characteristics that we're identifying that help us through hard times, it's directly using direct communication to ask your client, what is your relationship with flexibility? What is your relationship with adaptability? How resilient are you? How resilient would you like to be? How flexible are you? How flexible would you like to be? What do you need to learn to be more flexible? So we can totally use the learn, be, do framework and ask questions around abil- um, all these uh, characteristics that help with uh, coping.
0: And you're time. totally doing the MCC coach thing, Hayden, where you throw out 15 really good, powerful questions, like rapid fire, like uh, all of these, all the questions you just asked very quickly, you could ask any one of them and give five minutes and still it would be useful to go through it.
1: Yeah, so, so, hey, so do not exact realize, questions what in you, real
0: life. What do you use? Hayden? In your last question in your daily life, and we will we'll end here. In your daily in your daily life, what do you use? Like what what are the what what's the one or two things that you do to maintain resilience?
1: Well, I think you know, like you said, also I think you know, being that we have the great fortune to do this work all day, every day for a decade and more now, it's so ingrained in us. But I think. You know in terms of emotional regulation you know it's like i it was very tough for me this past week like it's been a whirlwind of ups and downs day by every day got you know more and more uh great uh like kind of breaking news that's kind of bad news um but something i do for myself personally on the day-to-day is i identify what how how do i feel how do i want to feel and what can i do to feel the, the, my desired emotion so it really is I like check in with myself and then and also being real with yourself if you're ready to take any action towards feeling how you want to feel so the last week I really was in a funk. I really was like so I identified how did I feel I felt unmotivated I felt in a funk, and I felt sad and you know, how do I want to feel I knew that I wanted to feel motivated again I wanted to feel excited again but I was but you also have to be asking yourself am I ready to feel that way and I wasn't, so I allowed myself self-grace and self-compassion to feel like a little bit down for a couple of days, and it was actually really great. I mean, it was great to feel down because I allowed myself to feel down. But then I knew that I then I asked, or right, what actions do I need to take to feel how I want to feel, which is like I said, excited and motivated again. And the actions that I decided to take is start is this: get engage with my communities again, take action, serve. You know, but I wasn't ready to put myself out there and serve last week yet. So I guess on the day to day, I invite everyone to really check that mindfulness John was talking about. Check in how am I feeling right now? You know, is this how I want to feel? How do I want to feel? What, how, what actions can I take to feel that way? But but don't forget to also ask yourself, am I ready to take action to feel that way? Because if you're not, that's okay too. We gotta to have self-grace and self-compassion. So yeah, so I think that, I think that helps with resiliency too, is being very aware of how you feel and, it's okay if you're not ready to take action to feel resilient. That's part of resilience, actually, the journey. Yeah. So.
0: Thank you, Hayden. It's just so great to hear your energy, hear you talk, hear you work through it, and you know, thank you for your vulnerability, for for really being you, holding space, and doing what you do. Uh, yeah. And uh, And with that, we are completing our first webinar in this resiliency series. So, thank you, Hayden. Yes, thank Thank you, everyone watching. Thank you, everyone. It's a pleasure. Uh, We will do more of these. If you have suggestions or ideas of other topics you'd like to see, let us know. Uh, But, thank you, really, truly, for being here and uh, being part of this community.
1: Yeah, thank you, everyone.